I'm Renee Ritchie, and I'm a tech analyst. I'm Georgia Dow, and I'm a psychotherapist. And welcome to Apple Talk. Where psychology meets technology. And we talk about how all of the big tech companies, like Apple and Google and Microsoft and Amazon, and did I say Microsoft? I think so. I think I'm missing so. one. Facebook. All of them affect our culture and our lives. Georgia, I have a confession to make. Oh, please. I've barely, confession time. I've barely eaten sugar since the great lockdown, since, great the, lockdown. since the world started ending almost a year ago. And I bought some cookies for your kids. And in order to make sure there was an even an oh, equitable cookies. amount of num of cookies for your family, I I ate the extra ones. There was like you did two it. or three extra ones. You, uh, that's so heartfelt, Renee. You I'm, took one for the team. Now I'm, I'm you did it out of a kindness. You ate some. I'm completely sugar. Like remember over the hedge when they yes. when the little squirrel drinks the jolt cola at the very end, and because he's already hyper, he he starts to go so fast. And then time slows down. Yes. Yes. Yes, I am very much like like Speed Force right oh, now. Run, Barry, show. run. This I don't know. This be a good show. I might have no attention span. What? What? I don't know. I don't have any attention span. All right. We'll try. We're going to try to muster through this. Yeah. So the first topic, it's actually sort of a double topic that I wanted to ask you about, is that there were two big stories that continue to evolve about Apple this week. One, the Apple car, which we're now hearing that Apple might produce in conjunction with Hyundai, Kia. Hyundai Kia would be doing the basically the fabrication, the way that other suppliers like Samsung and TCM and the Taiwan Semiconductor fabricate phone parts. They'd be fabricating the car parts, but also they they uh, poached the lead designer from Porsche, uh, the, the person who most recently worked on the Cayenne, hmm. uh, to to sort of design the chassis for them. On top of this, there was a big report in the information about Apple's VR headset, and you know, how it's going to have double 8K lenses and I think 12 cameras and a separate display and, and all these things. it's going to be really affordable. Well, both are. Like, the car is rumored to cost more than the Tesla, and the headset, I think, is rumored to cost $3,000, which is way more than, like, an Oculus Quest. Yeah. So, but the question I saw, so I was in a bunch of Clubhouse discussions about these, and it was interesting because I saw a lot of industry communications people like from those big tech companies come in and come out. And I won't name them because I don't think that they list where they're with in their public portfolios. I just right. know them from over the years. But like you're talking about these huge tech companies and like their comms directors are moving in and out of the audience. So it was really fascinating to watch. But do you want to start with the car or with VR? Let's, uh, let's start with the car. So some of the big questions about the car beyond Apple is just that it's... There's all these terms being thrown around, and one is like this will be a. There's cars that they envision will be manually driven until you get on the highway, and then they'll just take over and run on the highway. And then there are last mile cars, which are supposed to be able to navigate even from your house to an on ramp, let's say. Right. But one of the issues with these cars is right now we have a system where we make the decisions. Like if we miss a turn, like do we do a U turn? If like if we miss it, like do we turn illegally left because we know it's much harder to do these other things? But also there's these really intrinsic ethical and moral dilemmas that are raised in driving that you don't even think about. Like, for example, how many people swerve to miss a dog and hit another car? Right. Because no one wants to hit a dog. But right. would a computer value a dog's life over a human's life? And right. then you might have to watch your car run over a dog because it knows that if it swerves to avoid it, it might hit the kid in the other car. Right. And then, and then who makes those decisions? And even if you're not making the decision, you're the one, you're, like the computer's not really going to care. You're the one watching it happen. Like how horrifying would it be if you and your family were in a car, you literally see it run over a dog and you don't know that it did that to avoid hitting another car. Right. And, and you, you, 
Well, again, they'd probably be able to go back into the computer to figure out why it made what decision it well, had. Well, with my trauma, not a little bit. But, but I think that it would actually lower our sense of trauma because we would be take we would be once removed from this product, right? Usually, you have to make this split second decision, and it could cost more lives because there are lots of people that will avoid to hit a squirrel yes. and then run into something that kills themselves or a passenger in the car, which. Again, when you're in that split-second decision, you think avoid killing anything, not really being able to make the calculation of three steps ahead, there's um, an edge to the, the road and you're going to be driving right off of it. And it, 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 it goes even further than this because there's for a long time there's been people in the, the insurance industry whose job it is to calculate how much a life is worth, you yes. know, which sounds horrifying, but like actuaries do that they put a value on the remainder of your life. And probably if you're in your 70s, it's lower than if you're in your 20s. But these cars, will, or these systems, these hives of these fleets of cars, because another part of the Apple rumor is that maybe they won't be making cars for us, but they'll be making fleets of cars for companies, like an Uber-style company, who would then, we would ride-share them. But these fleets of cars, maybe like the tire blows, it knows it's gonna crash. It has a choice between hitting one vehicle that it knows has a grandmother in it and another one that it knows has two kids in it. So MIT actually went through this study. They went through a study called The Moral Machine where they looked at and they sent this out. So there's a website, you can actually go there. I started this, I sent it to you, Renee. You did. I started this, I couldn't actually finish it because it just made me feel like a horrible person. Right? I felt really bad. Like, so what you do is they ask you those questions. They ask you, you know, you're gonna kill four people in this car or four people, pedestrians. Some are in the car, some are pedestrians. Yeah. And which would you choose? And the interesting thing is that, so they made pretty much um, three different, I think it was four different differentiations. Young versus old, um, men versus women, rich versus poor. Wow types of jobs, and then an interesting one, if they were law-abiding versus if they weren't law-abiding. Like jaywalkers versus people cro like crossing exactly. an intersection? Exactly. They crossed properly or they jaywalked across the road. So like, do the jaywalkers deserve it in this model? Interestingly enough, depending, there were some things that were almost universal. Okay. Almost universal. So most people pretty much primarily will, will judge a human's life over an animal's life. Most people, but not all, judge the young versus the, the old, and um, most people said more versus less. Okay. So more people was better to save than less people was the better to good save. good of the many over the good of the few or the yes. one. Spock. Yes, exactly. Um, but there were cultural differentiations. So in countries where there's a huge disparity between the rich and the poor, rich were actually valued with a greater chance to protect. Okay. Um, many countries valued people that had jobs over people that were homeless or had lower paying jobs. And in certain countries, women were viewed as greater to protect versus others. Well, even like you hear about like, it's women and children first, right, on the lifeboat. That's been yes. a common cultural thing. Right. Yeah. And so there's all of these questions. So will the cars, depending on the cultural values, then make those decisions? Well, who trained the AI? Because AIs are bi biased by nature. And will companies will then have to, like Apple will have to make that decision of what does it choose. So then you can be sued not based on the bias of your personal decision, but based on the bias of the AI that you trained. Yes. Yes. And and who is going to, like, 
before there's a universal set of rules, which eventually there'll be regulations with a universal set of rules. But it is very interesting to have to go through that process. So you can go down to... Well, um, that takes time. Like uh, In the discussion, it was said yeah. that the law trails technology by about 17 years, which is a long period of time. Like yes. we're only now about to start regulating social networks, and they've been around for decades. Yes. Yes. And again, computers are, are much better than us in keeping us safe. We are... We often like think that we are better at something than we actually are. So can I be honest? I was looking at this test, yeah. and as I was reading it, all I could hear in my, like all I could think about was I was Judge Dredd, because that's what it was basically <laughs> asking me to make those decisions. Like, yes. I am the law. You know, like I, I that's the Stallone, the special Stallone Judge Dredd. Um, not not the Helmsworth, Chris Helmsworth, Judge Dredd, which, no, it was, was it Chris Helmsworth? No, no it I don't was, think uh, it was Chris Helmsworth. It, it, it was, was uh... yeah, it was Bones. The guy was in all those, there's so many Chris's. Yes, he was the one that was in... Uh, he was uh, the executioner in Thor, not Thor in Thor. But yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, all I kept thinking was, I am the law, because I'm deciding which... Per don't, don't make fun of Sylvester Stallone. I, it wasn't Sylvester Stallone. I was laughing <laughs> but, but But that's basically it, because you like you are very really making life or death decisions there. Yeah. And it's not like... In, in, you We're not... I don't know. You can tell me how we're in charge of our instincts. Like, because... You will often see a squirrel or a dog, and you will swerve to avoid it, not even thinking about the humans. And if you had time to make an objective decision, you might think, you know, there's Goodbye, two kids squirrel. in this. Yeah, I'm going to have to run over this. But yes. you don't have time. You have instinct. Or you see two cars, and you Whereas try to avoid both. a computer both. could do that and can make that calculation, and it is important yeah. to do that. But um, no, but in this case, I was choosing. You I was were the making one that was making yes. the decision. And, and it wasn't, like, st under stress. I was not in a, no. like, my, my reptile brain was not making and, it. And so you ended up with this... You know, horrible are you guilt. going to, yeah, this horrible guilt, are this researcher that's going, like, you know, a cancer researcher versus, you know, a teenager. And yeah. you're like, really what it's asking you is who, well, my thought process to going through it is who can contribute more to society from that, See, right? that's how they get like you. Like a 70-year-old cancer researcher versus a, you know, seven-year-old person that you don't know what will become. Who might invent it's a hyperspace. Decision. I, I, who might invent warp space travel. Might but might not. And, you know, it's this horrible decision that you yeah, have to make that then you is. have to carry. And that's why I stopped in the middle of it. Because I was like, yeah. oh, I don't want to know that about my humanity. Um, but then yeah. I finished it and I should I know that, that about far. my own humanity because it is a very interesting decision of what do you choose. And then they would, they would put like people that have, um, you know, have gone to jail versus people that have never gone to jail. And so you have yeah. to make this decision. But you would of never worth know that. Like value. an AI might know that based on but knowing the, the inhabitants, but you as a person the would AI never know that. probably wouldn't know that. Like I think that in some cases the AI would know probably age, sex, dress, but probably wouldn't know more than that until facial recognition comes into play. But they might then, know the, like the person who swipes in to get the car. They might have full, like, would they, sh that's yes. another point, like, would they share, like, in an Apple system, I don't think they would. I think the Apple system would be highly respectful of privacy. And the cars, I just did a whole video about how the Find My Network works right. and how, like, the person, you'll never know whose keys they are. You'll never know who's finding them. Apple will never know whose keys they are or who's finding them. You just have the ability to log in and see if your keys have been found. So I'm guessing Apple will have a very privacy-focused version of this. But if we imagine a Facebook car that knows everything about you, your friends, every interaction, everything you've ever done, or a Google car who knows, like, the horrible searches you've performed in the last week, would they share that information and actuarially life rank your, your worth? Well, exactly. But that, that would then add that extra thing of like, then you adding this information has a greater chance of you not being yeah. protected 
by the vehicle that you are driving because of that? And then how do you feel? There's one thing about having companies actually calculate human worth, but what are the ethics of companies calculating your worth? Yes. And then do we end up with this class system where some people are given a value number higher than others and know that? Like your Twitter followers or your YouTube subscribers? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or China was doing that, right? China was they having were. a social, they were given a, yeah, social rank. A very black mirror social rank and social you know, credits that yes. you could then use to do things. And some people, if they were more law abiding and doing the things that China wanted, would get to get better treatment than yes. people that did not as a means of controlling people. But this would be directly linked, not just to control, but survivability. Yeah, well, and it's all, it's like tangentially control because like it's not governmental control, but the big tech companies use, uh, and you've talked about this for a long time, they use gamification and they use instant and ego gratification to extract money from us, attention from us. Uh, like, you yeah. know, you you won't spend $5 for a game, but you'll spend $500 to get a better looking house than your neighbor. So how much will that social score be worth to you? Exactly. Like, what will and you will do? Will you pay money? Or would you do could anything you, else? Could they incentivize this? Yeah to be able to increase your rank, yeah. right? You suddenly give a donation of $100,000. Does your family have an increased chance of survivability? I give them more access to my life to get a higher score, maybe. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. just, again. Yeah, I'll put a camera inside if I get an extra 1,000 points. Yeah, and less chance that a car will hit yeah. me versus my friend. Yeah. And then do you choose not to drive with certain oh, yeah. people if you have they Amazon, lower your rank? If you have Amazon Prime, will the Amazon car choose to spare you? Right. They're like, oh, prime customer, avoid. Yeah, hit those. They use like right. fresh, fresh deliver or something. Right, right, exactly. So it brings up all of these other oh, debates. Oh, duck, duck, go user, full steam ahead. <laughs> feign, feign that brakes are not working. Yeah. Oh, critical brake failure. They use duck, duck, go. <laughs> right, right. And it, it's interesting how nefarious this yeah. could become from something that seems so simple We're sorry, at the, the get-go. The Apple car was never trained to recognize Samsung. We're, like, it was complete <laughs> oversight. Yes. Yeah. We don't yeah. even recognize those as phones. I'm so sorry. Yeah. They fold? What is that? <laughs> right. I, yeah, but I think like those biases, even if not conscious, there's often unconscious biases just because of the light. Like there was an early indicate, like with Google's uh, original photo search algorithm, it was trained by a bunch of white dudes, and they very early on saw that the animals that were being confused with white dudes, like seals, and they prevented that. But like they didn't care about anybody else because there was like no non-white dudes there. So people who weren't white dudes were getting all sorts of, of bad uh, bad image recognition results. Right. And it wasn't that they were programmed, it was that in this case they were, they were not programmed. Yes. So those like unconscious biases and all the algorithms. Yes, exactly. And the same thing when we deal with drug research. If it usually happens with a certain age group of, say, men, then we don't really know how the drugs yeah. perform with either different ethnicities or women or people that are young. And because of that, we end up with all kinds of um, different issues. Yeah. It's historically why Viagra studies get funded, but like cancer cancer research in women doesn't get funded. Yeah, that's a different one. Different well, no, debate. it's the same kind of bio. Like these things will be made by the people who make them, and their priorities yes. will be the people, the, the the priorities of people who make them. Yes, and some things will be covered by insurance, and some things won't because yes. the people that make the laws What's will make sure that they are protected and they understand it. Versus those like if that it's do a, not. if it's a Ferrari, avoid it at all costs. But right. you know, right? This very expensive car versus yes. yeah, yeah, because exactly. the person who programmed it happens to have that car. Yeah, you never know. 
Yeah, so what do you think, Georgia? How are we as a people, just based on how we've um, accepted technologies or not uh, dealt with technology in the past, how do you think we're going to enter this age where we have this new level of automotion, automation? It's interesting because probably we will jump head first and, and just then see what happens and it will become the wild and we will just trust the companies to do a job and not really ask those questions because that's what's happened throughout the ages. We do first and then we ask why and how later, which I think is a ridiculous way to go into it and I'm happy that researchers are actually looking into it. Oh, we but, fired those. Right, probably. We fired them, sorry. Probably. But is that the way that we should go about it? Like, yeah. it would be good if we really take a look before a technology comes to par that what should we do about it and look into the laws of robotics and um, the research that's being done and what would be a good set of base rules beforehand to make sure that everyone is protected. And we are comfortable with the choices that might be made, even if we are unaware of them or wish to be woefully unaware of them. See, I, I, I hope that we'll have Isaac Asimov and the three laws of robotics, but I suspect that we'll have Robocop and the other law that says thou shalt arrest no op no, no no company employee of OCP. You know, it's like, ah. Uh. So at yeah, the same you know time, me. yeah. Uh, the, at the same time, there was this debate going on when we were discussing Apple's new headset because Facebook is heavily into this. Google isn't really in the discussion, even though they started off with the Google Glass. and yeah. But I'm guessing that they will be, especially as it gets popular again. But the idea was basically, the, the headsets in the beginning won't be a huge deal. You'll have arguments between like Facebook knowing everything that's going on inside your house because they're on your head, and Apple you know, advertising based on, sorry, not advertising, but marketing based on privacy. But as we get to glasses that we wear ubiquitously uh, that are lighter and just overlay on our world, some of the people were asking, like, I'm driving my kid to school. I get to the school and I see a giant Facebook ad on top of the school. Or I go home and I see a giant Facebook ad on top of my neighbor's house. I go into my own bathroom and I see a giant Amazon ad for the toilet paper. Right. Who owns who owns AR space? Right. Like, right now there are huge arguments going on about who owns water rights above people's houses. Like, who owns the rain? Who owns the air above people's houses? And it's not hard to think that as this digital space becomes more evolved and more financially lucrative, there will be people seizing AR rights in areas as well, right, or just right. going like a wild west frontier. Right. And I think that for VR, where you're going to be in someone else's interface, um, that is going to be owned by the interface that is there. But if we are using this and it's inside of our home, and we're looking at our home, but we're using a layer above it that then has advertising and perhaps advertising that you are against and it's seen inside of your home. I think that people then will feel a difference in ownership because the spaces that we have created, we are very protective of. This is now something that I would be really upset about having suddenly something I may not believe in or may not just want to see cluttered inside of my home. And I think that that would bother me for an AR interface. And I think that that's going to become a bigger decision for people to make. Whereas places like Facebook, probably, and I can fully understand when you grab toothpaste, they give you toothpaste ads, which just yeah. makes sense. Or they notice that you are out of toothpaste. Your son's temperature is elevated. Would you like us yes. to one hour deliver uh, Advil with yes. Tylenol? Which I think some people would love. Right? They they already preset Stop that and scanning say it's my son. already well they could say like it's already there. It's already in your cart. Yeah. This is the cheapest, best based on what you already buy. 
it's already there. We saw you're looking at the toilet paper and it looks a little bit low, so your favorite three-ply is on its way. 100%. And you keep on checking for whatever, saying orange juice and checking for it. We have already placed it into your cart. Yeah. Orange juice. Like this would be, I think for Amazon in comparison, would be a perfect interface. Well, they had that controversy earlier this year, when they, or was it last, the years have blended together, Georgia, 2020, know, 2021, mm. um, 2021. Uh, they, when they announced that drone, that surveillance drone for inside your house where it would yep. take off and look around, people were yeah. asking, well, is it looking around to see what products I own and, yes. and what it could suggest to me to buy next? Yes. Like, oh, we see you have a three-year-old LG television. Yeah. There's a sale on the, on the new LG television. Though, again, are you patrolling or are you scoping? It's because it's the Nest one. I can see that more being for the Amazon one than for like No, that was Nest. the Amazon one. The Amazon was that drone. the Amazon I think one? It was the Amazon I thought it was drone, the yeah. Nest phone, drone. But, so I can see that being, there's so many drones. I have air traffic control in my apartment right. soon. Um, I can see that that being a really useful set of information that they would want to sell. And so I think that- So intrusive though. Yeah, I think that people would be, I think people would be either really happy or really offended. And Oh, you have a that, rash. We've added cream. We've added ointment to the to the shopping cart uh, for you. Too much. It would be just, that would that would be- I escalate be because upset. like I think, I think one of the problems is that this stuff is taken away from us in increments and every yes. increment by itself seems reasonable. Yeah. But when taken in aggregate, the amount of stuff that is taken from us is stupefying. And but you could say like, this is helpful, yeah. this is helpful. And that's why I always extend it to, oh, you turn around and see yourself naked in the mirror and it's like, do you need ointment? And I'm like, it's a step too far. Yes, but that's the way that they do it. That's the psychology of what they do is that they don't, ask first, right? They don't want regulation, but they also yeah. want to continue to push our boundaries because when our boundaries get pushed enough, it actually resets where we're co yes. our comfort level, right? Like we brought these cameras into our home because they do a whole bunch of benefits and then we be comfortable being watched. Yeah. And once we be comfortable being watched, then they can watch us and ask for one more step. I think that Facebook with their um, saying that, you know what, we're definitely not, when people were up in uproar about um, Oculus being bought over that they said, we're never gonna ever ask yes. you to Facebook login then we're comfortable with having this in the space with a whole bunch of cameras that are looking out. And then yeah. they're like, guess what? We yeah. have changed our mind. And there's WhatsApp no repercussion the that you yeah. have. Yeah. Exactly. We're not going to link it. Don't worry. And that then got pushed back. So then they didn't say, no, we're not going to do it. They said, we're going to wait. Yeah. In hopes that the next time that they do it, there'll be less pushback. Well, it's like and jumping into cold water. True. You put your foot in, it's like, oh, it's cold. You put it in a little bit more, ah, it's cold. And then eventually you jump in and it, like uh, 10 minutes later, you forget the pool was cold. Yes. Yes, it's the way, it's our a threshold here, if we get used to it. And the more that we interact with something, the less that it triggers the part of our brain that says danger, um, privacy, and when you live in an environment, and the new generations are living in an environment where privacy means something completely different than what it means to people that lived before the internet, those questions won't even yeah. come up unless they are taught to be media savvy and that Ownership of the privacy is not to the companies that are there. And the question of, well, if I'm not doing anything wrong, what does it matter, should not be a question asked. Yeah. And But these companies are now getting so big and having so much control. And let's just say it, they don't want regulation. No. N none of the companies want regulation. But especially the companies that have very specifically architected themselves so that they're, they're animatronic CEOs have absolutely no accountability. Uh. It's like most CEOs can be fired by the shareholders, can be fired by the board of directors, but like Facebook, for example, it is entirely, he sold shares that are powerless. So he got all the money, yep. but gave up none of the control. And I think right. that's where it gets dangerous because those limits, not having those limits are worse for you than they are for everybody else as well. Yeah.
Yeah. So if people ask you, Georgia, they come to you and they say like, I'm a f and I know this happens every generation, every time something changes in our lives, every time society evolves, there are people who are change adverse, but also fear the future. Uh, and sometimes with good reason, sometimes not enough. Sometimes we don't fear the stuff enough. True. But what, what would you tell people if they are either interested in questions about the ethics of upcoming technologies or they're just stressed about them? I think that for both cases, research, learning what it is and educating yourself on what are the do's and what are the don'ts and what could be happening and having discussions about it. I think that our culture now, we, we're scared to say a differing opinion out online because we don't know how someone's going to react. We've also politicized all kinds of stuff that should not be politicized. Yes, we, we politicize everything. Breakfast is politicized. We shouldn't, right? Um, we become a very polarized society because we're no longer living in same pools. Now, especially, we can interact without ever hearing another side of, of an argument. And that can make us very threat averse to, remember, an emotional threat. Someone saying that you are wrong can cause us as much distress as someone actually coming up and threatening you physically. And so because of that, that can be difficult. But having that discussion, learning about it, empowers us. And then our voice will have more weight because we will know what we want. And asking questions, if you don't know, there's nothing wrong with not knowing something. You don't have to know everything, but you have to be curious to be able to find out because you wanna make sure that your vote matters and that you talk to those that do have power to be able to say, you know what, this is important to me because if you say nothing, that's complicitly saying it's okay then. What I do is I join councils of very old British people who refuse to put their machines on mute during the Zoom call, and then I yell out, I have the power. I have the power here, in very, in very accented English. Does that work? No, but it becomes a meme, and then, uh, okay. and then everybody makes jokes about it for a week. Fair. Fair. You're just doing that for internet points. All right, so Georgia, I have a question for you, and I'm just... A question? One question? Uh, all right, Georgia, I have, I have some questions for you. Some I have questions, questions okay. that need answers, and I'm just pulling them up because Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon, well, not according to him, when he was testifying in front of Congress, he had no idea how Amazon worked. None. He's like, I'm busy. I have a job to I do. Know this. And they're like, your job is Amazon. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But he's stepping down as CEO. He's going to become executive chairman, which is something that Steve Jobs did before he passed away. He made Tim Cook CEO. He became executive chairman. It's something founders seem to like to do. But he had a list of principles, or, or sorry, David Perel posted this interesting list of things that he learned from Jeff Bezos. And because, let's just say so that- So self-aggrandizing. Even that is just so self-aggrandizing. Well, but Sorry. let's just say the tech industry doesn't always have the best filter, like when it comes to, there's a lot of psychophancy and there's a lot of attention seeking. And hmm. so I like to, um, I like to filter this through someone who's more in touch with humanity. Okay. So these are the principles. Uh, be willing to change your mind. Anybody who doesn't change their mind a lot is dramatically underestimating the complexity of the world we live in. Okay, so here we go. I agree. This makes me, I just feel like a bad person agreeing with you. Already, so soon. Um, I, I agree. I think that um, mental flexibility is really important. I think that, especially in politics, we attack our politicians that flip-flop, but do you want someone that's rigid even if they're wrong? No. So I agree, yes. I think that it is important to be flexible, look at different points, but also question your own standing. The only thing is that, like, Okay, so I'm just gonna say one little tiny caveat yes. before we get into this is that he says all these things. These things are gonna probably sound wonderful. He's had them probably curated and looked at. But talk is cheap and action is the tough thing. And doing actions that will cost you money or your company money and standing really means that you believe in this. Yes. And 
I don't know if he's actually shown that he actually feels this way versus just saying it. But anyways, yes, I agree. All right, well, but the other thing is like the internet, uh, especially social media, punishes you for changing your mind. Like yeah. I, personally, Fair. I know what I know. I want to learn what other people know and I want to take every assumption uh, presumption that I have, test it, see if it's accurate, and then, you know, like, like it's a better opinion for me. Or if it's not accurate, I want to evolve it and have a better opinion. But if you like, change, like if you see a movie and you're all caught up in it and you love it, and then later you watch it again and you're like, that really wasn't so good. No, but you said you loved it. It's I like, would do that to you. I know. <laughs> happens but just because I find that funny. But anyways, right. okay. Second, there are two kinds of decisions. One-way door decisions are irreversible, so make them slowly. Two-way door decisions are the opposite. Since, they can be, since you can back out of them, you should make them quickly. I, I, I think that you should think about, I don't think every decision you can do on either standing, depending on what it is. I think that that has a certain point of validity to it. But also, there's some decisions that you can reverse, but that could be very harmful. I think that you really want to, if you feel anxiety about a decision, just wait. If it can wait, unless it's a whatever, a tiger's coming at you, then just let your brain do what your brain does and, you know, run, freeze, faint, you know, attack, depending on what you do, because that would be the smartest answer to that because you don't have time to think. Um, so I think that that's a little bit too simplistic of yeah. a means of looking through decisions. Because but some, like you said, some decisions you can reverse, but the consequences between the period of doing them and reversing them are incalculable. Damaging. You can yeah. damage other people to it. I think it forgets people's humanity. Encourage good writing. Amazon's built a writing-first culture where employees review six-page memos at the start of important meetings. Writing takes longer in the short term but saves time in the long term. The memos are, the memos are structured like a dissertation defense. Oh, that causes me so much stress. That sounds like such a perfectionistic thing where most of these memos probably don't really matter. They're not well, going to be... I think it was an alternative to PowerPoints. Like, he didn't like the idea of you just putting a bunch of slides with some text on. He wanted uh, something that showed more of a narrative thought. Maybe this structure. works for Amazon, but it just sounds like a lot of effort for things that you, you may not need to go that far into. I, I don't know. Again, out of all of the points of importance in the world that he has learnt... I, I guess that's just an internal thing for Amazon. Well, there's this thing that was similar to Steve Jobs. Like is someone going to use that as a tenant for life? Probably not. Not a tenant, because then we're going backwards in temporal entropy. But for a tenant, maybe. The thing that's <laughs> interesting, though, is that Amazon, like Steve Jobs is famously, he never looked at the chipset. He looked at the feature set. So he didn't care. He never got technology and said, how can I use this? He had an idea for something, said, what technology do I need for this? Right. Jeff Bezos famously said, for any product, write me the press release for the announcement. Because if you can't articulate how it will be, like, what the story is for customers, then should we even be talking about it? Like, then it's, it's not even an idea. It's just like a set of bricks. Right. Right. Think analytically. Bezos thought analytically about everything, even women. Oh, that's appalling. Early in his career, he took ballroom dance classes to increase his exposure to what he called N-plus women. Later, he called it... Oh, this is horrible. Please, please, continue. I'm... No, that's all of it. He called this the woman flow. Oh, why would you put this in a Twitter thread? I mean, even if it's... Like, I'm assuming it's true, but... That sounds horrible. Oh, can you read it again? That's I don't so want to. horrible. I feel horrible reading it. I'm going to skip over this what? one. No, please, read it again. I want to hear what he said. What was he talking Bezos about? Bezos thought analytically about everything, even women. Early in his career, he took ballroom dance classes to increase his exposure to what he called N-plus women. Later, he called this women flow. Did, he, did no one check this over beforehand? I don't know. Okay, so, like, I'll just talk about the think analytically. Um, that's a very business, old-school business way of thinking about life. Um, our emotions and thoughts are really important, and it's kind of that gives us the 
where we will be happy to get to. The analytics is how to get there. The emotions is where do you want to go. And so I think that you need to have a balance between both. And women are not a calculation, um, especially if you're just going to be analytically with women, then how are you even going to connect? Um, this goes back to the giving numbers. I don't know what the N plus women are, but like it's giving numbers to women in the rank. I think he's saying he can meet more women by going to, but you can meet more, like there, if you want to meet humans and you enjoy ballroom dance, there will be other humans at ballroom dance. Therefore, you will meet other humans more than if you don't go out ever. And if he's saying that it's just important to, to if, he, if he's saying that it's like do something, like I will often tell people that if you want to meet someone, it's a great idea to do something with people that you'd want to meet that would be there. Yes, the sharing. Which is completely fine, but it's a very analytical way of putting this down, and I find it insulting um, and creepy. I guess are my words to it. It just seems I don't know. Yeah. Balance the efficiency you need to execute with the wandering you need to innovate. Uh, that sounds like like a one hand clapping kind of statement. I don't even know. I don't know what that means. I'd have to ask questions to it. It sounds I don't know. Okay. I'm <laughs> you're yeah, skipping. Some. I am because how many are there? There's how like a lot there? of these, but a lot of these are like like you said. It's like what is the sound of one hand clapping? I just want yeah. to Bart Simpson then by going. Yeah. It sounds like this. Wait. Like I'm sure people, so there's this thing that actually I think is interesting to talk about where I think there are, and we've encountered this in everything from jujitsu to technology, yeah. is that there are people who have phenomenal instincts for what they want to do. Like they are naturally gifted, world-class competitors. Like mm -hmm. yes, it still takes training, it still takes focus, but they, they have good instincts to know, like good timing, a good set of characteristics that apply to that condition. And they may be terrible teachers, terrible coaches. Like they can't explain yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. They can't say like, oh, this is how you do it. They just know how they'd react under that situation. But then there's the opposite. And there are people who are really good coaching who can't compete at a very high level yeah. because they don't have maybe the physical attributes, even though they have the mental attributes to put together game plans for other people. And I think that people believe that just because someone is successful at something that then they have been given um, this they have this insight into what they are doing that makes it successful and that then yeah. they can teach others to become successful and that is rarely actually the case there are sometimes that someone has really looked into something and has a method that will work in many different areas but rarely is that this like yeah. just because sometimes it's just a set of circumstances that all happen together and luck and who you know and where you happen to be and the people that were there to support you and it all worked out and you really don't have as much insight that is there for it. And sometimes you just can't put it into words. And sometimes the skill is not applicable in other areas. Yeah. Like to try to generalize something that's very specific to one area, even if it's a vastly successful area that has built across it. I think that when you are, when you're really popular and everyone is looking at you and you are uh, surrounded by people that are psychophants or fans or employees, you start to believe your own Kool-Aid. Yes. You believe that you are that great Sometimes and that talented. Sometimes to your detriment. And it's quite an ego gratification. It feels really amazing. But that humility to be able to take a step down and maybe I'm wrong, maybe yeah. it isn't because I am this vastly talented that I'm there. Maybe it's all of the support that I have is hard because a lot of people that go into these fields have uh, stronger levels of perhaps narcissism or, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that, that he is a narcissist, but have a greater chance of wanting to believe that because it's being fed to you everywhere. 
And so, you know, again, I think that there's probably some words of wisdom, but I think that there's words of wisdom that you yeah. can find all over the place, but it doesn't mean that it's applicable to everything. Like there's just so many variables that are involved. That's why when we, people ask for like a one set, one shot rule or the five steps to this, yes. you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt because it may not work for you. It may not work in your situation. And you want to look at things and not just blindly follow anyone. So what is a way to sort of figure out what works for you? Do you just do that through trial and error, through testing and analyzing, through, you know, personal affinity? I think that, like, we're all machines or games, and we all have a certain set of things that are our weaknesses and things that are our strength. You want to be really a accurate to be able to know who you are. And also to take a look at the world and be able to read the reactions to that. I think that the first thing is those interpersonal skills that a lot of the world really deals with. And we don't always analyze that because it's exhausting and if you're shy you may not want to look at that but I think that it's really beneficial and then um, there are some universal truths and you know those kind of go through it so to be able to do that work I think is very helpful yeah my big one lately is like just don't be a jerk like a lot of people take like they because they don't want to self-identify as a jerk they will say that someone is being like they, well, they'll excuse me for their behavior. I, I made this, this analogy earlier. Like if I go into a Denny's and I'm a jerk and they kick me out, I could say, oh, they hate Canadians. Or I could say, yeah. oh, they hate people named Renee. Or I could say, oh, they hate jerks and I was acting like a jerk. And yeah. that takes a certain amount of self-reflection. And I think all too often we want to blame what we are rather than how we behaved for the for for when we get called out on our stuff. The only part to that though is that then we end up with people that might be on the other end of the spectrum. There might be people that are always apologizing, always taking it on themselves, letting people step on them, not creating proper boundaries and consequences. I said I was sorry. No, that's good. That's good. That's a starting point. I'll accept that. Um, and so then we end up with this balance of they have that as their tenant, don't be a jerk, but they're actually should need to be a little bit more jerky, jerky, beef. And um, then they need to find that balance. And so it's hard because black and white rules are really easy to follow, but most things in life are not black and white. And so you need to have proper boundaries and consequences and you need to be able to have respect and at first when you're on one end of the spectrum, often you pendulum swift swing too far you've taken so much that now you're going to be hardlined about it and that's not healthy either and so it's hard because we're all blind to our own shtick our yeah. stuff that we do and so you want to be able to really look and analyze what is your happy point and if you had great role models wonderful but if you don't and you're trying to find something often we attach ourselves to a mind frame to start with, which is totally fine, but you need to know that one yeah. size does not fit all. Yeah. No. Um, and that's really complex. So that's the only piece whenever someone comes out with a set of rules and regulations and then people follow this so strongly. And then wonder why it doesn't I'm work. Like, oh, you know, like maybe like no one is perfect and it's not applicable to everyone and or kind in every of you time and every space, every situation. Yeah. But again I can understand starting that as your template but don't modify. So if only there was like a YouTube channel that explored psychology mm. and how we as humans deal with the world around us, that would sure be useful for situations like this. Know of anything? That, anything that, might be, that might be useful. Well, you could check out mine. Oh, you could really? check out mine. There's, there's now it? videos. Um, it's uh, YouTube slash Georgia Dow. Is that how it goes? YouTube, I don't know. Well, there's a dot com in there somewhere. Is there? 
youtube.com slash Georgia Dow. I don't know. I go to YouTube and type in Georgia Dow. I know, I know. I did it the other day and I'm like, Renee is judging me from afar. Um, but I still do that. And um, put a space before punctuation. I don't even know where to start with you. I know, I know. I double space Not at after. the end of a sentence. Yes, but also you single space before the punctuation. Yeah, I think I do. I do both yes. of that. I do do Worse that. Worse than Devin Stone. He does a double spacer after too, but he doesn't do this. Well, I was taught. I you were taught, taught that back that. in the days of typewriters when they needed that. Now I, there's computers I, that I, handle I, automatically. I, you know? They, it's muscle memory now. I don't want to have to unlearn it. Um, anyway, so you can check it out. Um, like and subscribe. Where? Don't make me do it again. Are you going to make me do it George, again? YouTube.com slash George Dow. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. And if they're, if they're going to Twitter, where's that? It's um, uh, at Georgia underscore Dow. Yes. At Georgia underscore Dow. And uh, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. <laughs> yep. Awesome. I'm at, uh, to the surprise of nobody, youtube.com slash Renee Ritchie, twitter.com so you know slash Renee Ritchie. Yeah. So, and you actually type that in? No, because I usually use an app for Twitter. Oh, and does for, it go automatically to you? Well, like you can just open the app. I'm the one logged in. So it goes to your homepage first? No, but there's like a little icon that says your account, like in tab. Oh, okay, okay. But I don't really know. I don't, I don't want to know what's use... on my account. I want, I want, I, there's probably garbage on my account. I want to see what everybody else is talking about. I also wanted to mention that we had some of the funniest comments. Please comment. We do read them. But some of the best comments of cats. I answered a bunch. Cats, cro oh. cats crotches, and probes. Oh, God. What have <laughs> we done? We're brilliantly Are we funny. I don't know. We might have gotten like a NC-17 kind of thing on Restricted YouTube, mode. But it was, it was brilliantly funny. Thank you so very much for commenting on that. That was great. Yes. Um, for one per there was one person I think that was offended. I think there was an offended By the cats person. or the crotches? Might have been the probes. I'm not sure. It could have been the explo exploding crotches. I think that they, I don't even know if they watched the video and they just saw everyone else's title? comments. Oh yeah, no, they didn't like the the title. I don't know if they went oh. any further than the title. I'm gonna ask. I can get that. The title the title was patently offensive. But the cutest part was that you asked me. You were like, at first the con the the title of, of well, the last show was bad. really it was dry. Yeah. I liked the what is the kitten collateral. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not offensive on its face. Like was you it, have to know more it about it. Wasn't it crotches and kittle kitten no, collateral? No, it was just okay, I, that's it's not like bad. so many words you can fit on that's a title. That's not bad. That was yeah. they could have been worse. It's like the kittens have collateral. How else do they get loans? Right. Okay, right. If they're gonna buy a house, the kittens need collateral. Well, there's a game called Exploding Kittens. Is there? So if That's you're horrible. offended, you're not you don't know the game. No. You have to play the game. It's no, I'm so not playing good. a game called Exploding Kittens. I you should. There's sanctity of life. Stay tuned because we have another topic exclusively for Nebula. So if you do subscribe through Nebula, just stay on the line. If not, though, you can go to curiositystream.com slash Apple Talk. You can sign up there. It's like 26% off right now, so you get all of Curiosity Stream with their amazing documentaries. I just saw they have an interview with Tim Cook where he talks about cool. working with Steve Jobs. Ethical questions like this, but, but especially when it comes to privacy uh, and also whether he'll ever run for president. They have a whole documentary there. He won't. So you don't have to worry. He's never going to run for... He's not. There's the answer. Don't... You, watch it anyways. Yeah, so just go there. There's also... You can get Apple Talk with its exclusive extra bonus content every week. You can get all of my videos with no ads, with a lot of bonus content. And my first Nebula original goes live by the time you're oh, watching this. Oh, nice. Yes. What is it on? It is the impact of the iPhone on the lives and careers of creators, including mm. yourself, but some people like Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD, iJustine... Yeah, Andrew Edwards, uh, Jacqueline Dallas, Carolina Milanese, just a, a wide variety of super smart people talking about their, their memories of the keynote, 
watching it for the first time, their first iPhones, their favorite iPhones, what, you know, how, what, how they use them in their lives and in their careers, and what they want to see from them next. Sounds awesome. So that's also exclusive to Nebula. So you can go to curiositystream.com slash Apple Talk, sign up there. You get Curiosity Stream, like I said, for it's like less than 15 bucks for the whole year, the whole year, and a year of Nebula for free. And it is the best deal in tech today. So uh, if you are not yet subscribed to Nebula, go there, do that. Otherwise, we have our bonus topic coming right up.